Well, let's make our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My mind is open, my is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me because I have the victory in my life. Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen? Do I sound all right to you? Because I don't sound okay for me. Okay, I sound all right? Everybody raise your hand if I sound all right. Okay, I guess I'm all right. You may be seated. Good to see you. Pam may or may not be with us for the rest of the service. What are you going to do, sweetheart? Pardon? You going to be here? You going to be here cheering me on? You want to share anything? Got a word? Hot, anything hot off the press? I didn't. I came in here and I, d I didn't have any funny story to tell. I, and then one just popped in my mind, but I think I've told it before. You should always love to laugh. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus said, I came to give you my joy so that your joy would be full. Mom was baking these cookies. Her mother was baking cookies for her two sons. And uh, one was six and one was seven. And they were, they, they were getting into who's going to get the first cookie and who's going to get the first bite. And they were really fighting around with one another. And finally the mom uh, looked down on them and said, now listen, boys, what would Jesus do? He would prefer the other one to go first and have the first cookie. And the one little brother turned to the other one and he said, I'll tell you what, you're going to be Jesus today. <laughs> I'm going to have that first cookie. Well, hallelujah. The word today, and I'm going to paraphrase this for you, because, uh, and, and then we'll get into it, because the word of God is so clear, and, and the, the message is disciplined to ask. Discipline to ask. Everybody say discipline, discipline. to ask. Yes. And a lot of times we don't understand how simple the Word of God is and that God wants us to be so disciplined that we become habitual in our habit of responding to things that happen and that we understand the authority and the dominion and the power that God wants us to have on this earth. And that whatever we ask, and we'll talk about that scripturally in just a moment, we have it. And we release the power of God to draw it to us and to walk in whatever it is that we ask of God. In the very beginning, it was absolutely solidified that God created the heavens and the earth, and that whatever God said, it was, or whatever came out of God's mouth, it was established, and it happened exactly as God wanted it to be. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, 16 times God said, or God said something like God said, and it was, it was, and we know it was good. And so whatever God said, it was. And then when you read on in the book of Genesis, it said that God told Adam and shared, and Adam was equipped, that, God, that Adam would name everything on the face of the earth. He would name the animals, and that whatever Adam said, it was. It was exactly like that. Now, man was made in the image of God. So turn to your neighbor and say, you, you know, I, I see the image of God in you. 
Or better yet, turn to your neighbor and tell them, I see God had a sense of humor. And uh, 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 you, you know, we're not all looking alike and made alike in that arena, but in the realm of the spirit, we are all created like God. And so God then said that man would have dominion and rule over everything on the face of the earth. So therefore, God's original plan, everybody say original plan. God's original plan was that whatever he said, it was. With me so far? Wave your hand if you're with me so far. Everything God said, it was. And then, and I'm paraphrasing all this, but we'll get into the scripture in just a moment. Then God said, hey, buddy, I'm going to put you on this earth, and we're going to hang out together, and whatever you say, it is because you are representing me on this earth. I created the earth, I created the heaven, now I'm going to put you down here, and you're going to run the whole show. You're going to have, we could say, my power of attorney. You're going to, how many of you have ever had power of attorney? How many of you ever had unlimited power of attorney? When my dad, my dad's in heaven right now, but when my, when my mom died, I said, Dad, we need to get the power of attorney. And uh, he said, okay, exactly what is that? And I told him, he said, okay, so we went to lawyer and we got power of attorney. And the attorney said, now, do you want limited or do you want unlimited power of attorney? He used a legal name, but when he described it, he said it was limited or unlimited. And I said, I want unlimited. And Dad said, what does that mean? And I said, whatever I say goes. <laughs> but that just shook his head. And, and, and we had, my, with my mom and my dad and my wife and I have even talked about this, that when... When we die, when you get a casket, you get the cheapest one because we're out of there. That's just a bunch of ashes in a real expensive cat. Now, if you see it differently, do it differently. But that was what we said. So my dad and I were sitting there, and he'd kind of forgotten that. And we were making all the funeral arrangements uh, about two or three years before he died. He wanted to get it all done. So we're sitting there, and the guy said, what kind of casket do you want? I said, the cheapest one you got. And my dad looked at me, he said, why do I want a cheap casket? I said, we already had that, uh, that uh, discussion. And that the, remember, we said that as soon as you die, you're absent from your body, you're going to be a I said, oh, yeah, that's right. And I said, besides that, any money left over is mine. And he really started laughing. He said, I don't know if I like this power of attorney stuff. <laughs> when you understand what it means that God wanted Adam to be on this earth, and whatever he said is the way it was. Now, this is what we cannot fathom. So turn to your neighbor and say, try to grasp this. Adam could not think a bad thought. Adam could not entertain evil. Adam could not do anything that was contrary to what God said because he was perfect. He was absolutely perfect. Spirit, soul, body, mind, flesh, and it was perfect flesh, perfect mind, perfect spirit, a three-part being, and he would live forever and never die. That was God's original plan. Everybody say, that's God's original plan. That was God's original plan. And then God looked down, and apparently Adam was having too much fun because God made woman and brought her into the scene because Adam needed a helpmate. And you know the rest of the story. Both of them made a mistake. And the mistake caused their spirit to die. And when their spirit died, they didn't die a physical death. When God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil into the, uh, uh, into the Garden of Eden, uh, why he put it there and why he did it, I don't know. 
I, how many of you have a shelf in your mind that you have things you don't understand? I believe that's why God told us, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge me, and I'm going to direct your steps. i got a whole mind full of things I don't understand, but I'm not going to go there, because if I go there, it'll strip me up from where God wants me to go, and it'll happen the same thing for you. So we, we don't understand that. All we understand is that God gave mankind one simple command. <laughs> How many of you can follow one? <laughs> Bet me. You know, if, if the sign says wet paint, what do some of us do? We want to touch the wet paint to make sure it's wet paint. The sign says don't cross this line, what do we want to do? I, I, Pam had three children, I had three children, and of my three children, I can guarantee you if it said don't cross this line, all of them would stand there like this. <laughs> they, they just, whatever you're told you can't do, there's something that seems to be like, well, bet me, I'm going to try. Never forget the time we're down at Disney World. I had a sign up right out there by the Magic Kingdom. This fence said wet paint. And I stood there for a while with our family. I liked that. Sure enough, I reached out and I touched it. And I thought, the sign is right. That paint's wet. <laughs> Dumb, dumb, and dumber. But anyway, it, it, it just happened. But that was God's original plan. And when you look at how simple it was, it's like, okay, don't mess with that tree and you live forever. And whatever you want, you just speak it forth. And that's the way it is because your heart is pure. You have the heart of God. You have the mind of God. You are created in the image of God. That was the plan in the very beginning. But then because of the fall, we know that there was a horrible situation that took place. Jesus had to come and give his life, die on the cross, a horrible death, and then resurrect, defeating the devil and, and disarming all powers and principalities, and is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for us every moment of every day, so that we can be restored to the original plan of God, but our bodies and our mind that is not renewed can never be exactly the way it was in the beginning. That's why the body, and that's why life isn't forever on this earth in this tent. That's why the tent eventually has to perish so that we can go in our spirit and go to be with Jesus. That's what it means when you're born again. Your spirit man is born in the image of God, and now you are capable of communicating with God in your spirit because God is spirit, and you, the real you, is spirit. So turn to your name and say, the real you is spirit. You're going to leave your body behind, and you're not going to live forever in that earthly tent, but you are going to live forever. But eternal life begins the minute we receive Jesus. And so if we want to be pleasing to God, then God has shown us what we need to do, and God has shown us that he wants to bless us. And we're going to start tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And it took me a lot of years to realize that God wants to bless me, and that he doesn't want to hold my past against me. As a matter of fact, he forgot all about my past. And, and, and that he wants to bless all of us. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it's talking about leading up to it, uh, that sometimes we feel like we kind of cast down and unconquered is the way it's labeled. But it says that, uh, that uh, we have the treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be in us, and that while we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, and we are perplexed, but not in despair. 
uh, persecuted but not destroyed. How many of that fits you somewhere along the line? It, you know, you feel the pressure that's on you from things that maybe people did to you or maybe that you did to yourself or decisions you made that opened the door to the enemy to come in, steal your finances, steal your relationships. You know, I know that there are things been done to me in my life that have really hurt me. I know things that I have done that have really hurt others. So kind of been there, done that. Let's all say, been there, done that. But what the Word of God goes on to say and sums it all up uh, for, for the victorious life that we are called to live is in verse number 13. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and then we speak. In other words, we believe and then we speak what God has for us and what God has given us. In, in John chapter uh, 5, uh, verse 19, verse 30, and verse 38, Jesus basically said this, I've come to do the will of the Father. Uh, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. So in other words, Jesus was on this earth, which, and he had the authority of God, that whatever he said, that's the way it would be. Jesus came as an example for us as to how we should be. That that power of attorney that I had for my father was unlimited. If I did anything in his best interest, I had that power. I had that authority. It said that right there, in the best interest of Dwight Mickler. So that's what I was given. Now, you and I have been restored to our original intent through Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is living inside you. You have that original power, authority, and dominion over everything that tries to attack you or tries to steal the word of God from you, just like Adam had and just like Adam walked in. And the way we exercise that power and authority and dominion are through our words. We speak forth just like Jesus did. Jesus said, I do the will of the Father. I speak the will of the Father. I, I share the will of the Father. Everything he did and everything he shared was an example for us. Now, when we get a hold of this, then we understand that the victory that God has for us. So I come, I've come, I forget which scripture it was, I think it's in verse 30. I've come to do the Father's will. I've come to do, that, that's a, almost a legal term. That's I'm going to execute the will of the Father. Well, will, the will, will is a legal term today. I've come to do God's will. A will and testament is this is exactly what that person that lived wanted to do. God wills that you succeed. God wills that you're victorious. God wills that you not partake of sin. God wills that you have abundance and finances. God wills that you have the abundant life. Somebody ought to cheer, give a hand or something, because God wills. That is God's will for your life. But if you're not careful, here's what you'll do. Well, I'm thinking about everything that's not going right. May I see the hands of all the people? Something in your life is not going the way you thought it would. My hand is raised, my other hand. Why focus on that when so many things are going right? And what we talked about last Sunday was the law of attraction. We are going to attract what we're looking at. I'm not going to look at what's not going right. I'm going to try to fulfill the role God has for me. And if I ask anything in accordance with his name, he's going to do it. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail because you, you do not have 
a fullness probably of the power that you possess. You have power of eternity from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got unlimited power. I mean, there is nothing that you cannot do that God wants you to do. He wants you to have health. He wants you to have prosperity. He wants you to have the mind of Christ. He wants you to have great relationships. He wants you to, to, to speak forth things so that He can bring them to pass. And when you understand that authority, it will absolutely change your life. Now, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, this is, is a foundational scripture. I, I still, I do not remember the time I heard it. I don't remember where, well, I know where it was. It was in Tulsa, and it was at Victory Christian Center. And when I first heard this, I thought, is that real? And I heard somebody talking out of Romans 4.17, sharing a word. It was talking about Abraham and how that Abraham had such tremendous faith that it was, all, it was childlike and that he believed that God could do anything that he said he could do. And that a, it, it ends up in Romans that, that Abraham was fully assured that how many of you have trust and confidence in somebody that you know that they are such a person of their word that whatever they told you, you would believe it. Can I see your hands? Somebody that you just had that relationship, that you are fully convinced that whatever they said, I believe it, because of their track record, because of your relationship with them, because of what you have seen. We all should and hopefully have somebody like, like that. And, and so that's where Abraham was with God. He was fully convinced that whatever God said, that settles the issue. God will take care of it. And he wasn't going to sweat it. Now, Sarah was, because Sarah wanted to try to figure out how God's going to do it. I mean, I see the hands of all the people. You cannot figure out how God's going to do it. But you know, if God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And, 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 and I remember when I heard this in Romans 4.17, it says, God speaks things that are not as if they were. God speaks things that are not as if they were. That kind of fits in to let the weak say, I am. Strong. Let the poor say, I am. Rich. Let the sick say, I am. Well. Now you might say, well, where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't say, let the sick say, I am well. But how many of you believe that God himself says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, so therefore the sick should say what? I am sick? No, I am healed. I don't know how this works, but I know this. Your body will pay attention to what you say. And your immune system will pay attention to what you say and what other people say. I've read enough about medicine to realize in some, some of the books that, there's, that I have read that they really fascinate me. What fascinates me is when pharmaceutical companies do testing of new drugs. And they have what's called the, the drug, the, the drug that they're trying to get approved that's going to produce millions of dollars in revenue. And then they have a placebo that they have to use so that they can actually see if the people are healed by this drug or what the placebo does. The placebo is usually sugar water or something like that. This is what is amazing. The people in the trial test that go through this aren't told whether they have the real new drug trying to become marketed or whether they have the placebo. But a tremendous percent of people that have the placebo are healed just like they are told the actual drug will do. How can that be? It's because the mind has great power 
authority and control and dominion over your immune system. And that if you tell your immune system something over and over again, your immune system will begin to believe what you're telling it. As a man thinketh, so is he. We talked about that Sunday, Proverbs 23, 7. So therefore, can you imagine, it's hard for me to even imagine, can you imagine living in this world and never thinking a negative thought? That is exactly God's original intent. I'm not going to think a negative thought. I'm going to think positive about everything. A lot of books on the power of positive thinking. It's more than the power of positive thinking. It is a spiritual principle, but your mind does matter. And if you're thinking positive thoughts, you're going to accomplish the will of God. Now, we're going to go uh, to, uh, when I got a hold of this, uh, it, it changed my life. And I look back in my life, and I saw some things that happened that by accident, it worked for me. When I first got saved, I did not know that much about the things of God. Well, that's obvious. Didn't know much about the things of God. But all I know is that I had a desire to be married when I first got saved. And, uh, uh, and, and so I one day was just sitting on the edge of my bed at night. And I said, God, and I'd had a horrible situation in my life years before. Some of you heard that story. And I said, God, I have a desire. I didn't realize this but I was using a spiritual principle. I have a desire to be married again. And if you have anybody for me, I didn't say it like this, but if you have anybody for me, it's your will, <clears throat> then I would like to have that person as my wife. But if you don't, then I don't want anybody. I don't ever want to go through that situation again. And in the middle of the night, and, the, and that night, as I sat on the edge of my bed, I cried myself to sleep. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up with this name going off inside my head. Pam Mickler, Pam, or Pam, no, that was fast forwarding, wasn't it? <laughs> Pam Skelton, Pam Skelton. It went over and over in my mind. And, and, and I knew who she was, but I didn't really know her. And I'm just going to uh, quicken the story here. Through a series of events, she called me one day to want to know if it was okay. Bam, I knew it was God. I didn't realize I was using a spiritual principle. And I was saying, God... I am speaking forth, and I am asking your will to be done in my life. And if it's your will that if I be married, I want to be, and bam, he brings her into my life. And when I saw that, even that, when it happened and as it happened, I knew it was a miracle unfolding, but I didn't understand that I had a big part to play in that miracle. I didn't. God made it happen, but I came into agreement with God by asking for what I wanted. The Word of God says that a lot of times we have not because we ask not. And most of you have been around this church. That's James 4, 3. If you've been around this church for a while, you know that it also goes on to say, and sometimes you don't have because you ask amiss. When I first got saved, not only did I ask for a wife, and God bless me, I asked for a Lincoln Continental and for all my debt to be gone. I thought God would take care of everything. Well, I never got the Lincoln Continental, and all of my debt never got away until I set a budget and really started working, and I had a wife who used to be an accountant who helped me <laughs> and, and, uh, and brought us out of debt, but it took a lot of years to get out. That's why we're never going back again. But God loves you. Tell your name, God loves you. And so God wants you to operate under his precept and his principles. Now, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, one of the strongest. Now, how many of you would say that you need more discipline in your life? Can I see your hands? If, if you want discipline, 
then you have to continually want to make yourself do something that you don't particularly want to do. But if you'll discipline yourself to do it, I know my life doesn't want, my wife doesn't want to be continually corrected by me. Uh, correct? <laughs> and I don't want to continually be corrected by her. But sometimes if I get down and she said, and I say something that I shouldn't, she'll correct me. Now, at the time, I may not have this happy looking face that you see now. At the time, it may be, you know, that type of thing. But, 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 and vice versa. I've seen it vice versa. But I am happy that she corrects me. I don't want to say, you know what, I don't think this is ever going to work. Why would you waste time saying that? Thank you, Lord, you're going to anoint this, and it is going to work, because I know it's your will, I know it's your plan. And when we get to that point in our life when we want to be disciplined and corrected, everybody say corrected, corrected. by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes by other people. Holy Spirit will always try to correct you, but if you're not listening to the voice, then it's very difficult to do sometimes. But what we ask, what we speak, what we, what we meditate, what we speak forth is going to be what we are, as we said Sunday. That's what we're going to attract into our life. And in Matthew chapter 8, it's a powerful scripture that I'm going to summarize and we'll look at the scripture of the Roman centurion who apparently was a good person who really loved the Jewish people, but he had a servant. And his servant was really sick. And, 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 and we're going to get to the part where the servant was healed, but the part that I want to use tonight that is so powerful is that he, he, he came to Jesus and he asked that Jesus would, would heal his servant. And Jesus said, I'll come to your home, and, and, and I'll paraphrase you, and I'll pray for your servant. And the, and the Roman centurion said, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my home. But in verse number 8, what it says is so powerful. The Roman centurion basically said this, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come to my home, but, all, but speak a word and my servant will be healed. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. And he said, I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I tell my people under me, you go and do this, and they go and do this. And I say, you come and do this, they come and do this. So the Roman centurion was a man with status and authority. And he said, I understand how this authority works. And I understand the authority that I see in you. I understand the power and the authority and the dominion that comes out of you when you speak a word. And if you will speak a word, my servant will be healed. And it went on to say, when Jesus spoke that word and that servant was healed, Jesus said, I have not found this great a faith in all of Israel, all of the people of a covenant with God. He had not found this great a faith. I ask you this, will he find that kind of faith in you? When you're going through the good times, you're going to praise God and worship God. How about when you go through the bad times? How about the storms of life? How about when you're in that boat going to the other side, just like the disciples were? Jesus said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, and I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to take a nap. Now, I know he didn't say that, but I love to paraphrase things. Basically, Jesus said there's a hammock in the back of this boat, and the reason I say that is because I just got one, and I love it. And <laughs> the other night I went out there, there's a storm coming. I, I'm not as smart as I look, I know that. But, but I went out, there's a storm coming, it's lightning. There's nothing that I ever want to do more than lay in a hammock and a lightning and watch all the lightning up there. And I'm sitting there watching all this, and it is a ball. I'm just loving every moment of it, but it hasn't started to rain. And then I fell asleep. 
sound asleep. And all of a sudden, the rain came, and I was trying to get out of a hammock. It is hard to get out of a hammock quickly in the rain, but I finally, I finally made it, but I absolutely love it. But here's Jesus in the back of that boat. And he's just taking a nap. He's having a good time. And the storm comes. How many of you have been through some storms in life? How many of you are in some storms right now in some areas of your life? The storm doesn't matter. What matters is, what did Jesus say? Jesus said to the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. You can go through storms with Jesus you can rebuke storms. Personally, I've never been able to rebuke a storm because I love a good storm. <laughs> but in the storms of life, you know what I'm talking about. Let's assume that you try to rebuke the storm and it doesn't rebuke. It doesn't go away. It doesn't stop. Keep right on moving through it. Some of the greatest victories I've had in my life is going through storms. Not seeing the storm go away, but just go through the storm with perseverance and say, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going through this storm. I know what God said. He settled the issue. The disciples had the issue settled, or should have, when Jesus said, get in the boat, and I want you to go to the other side. They were under authority. They were ready to go, but then the storm scared them, and they became fearful. If you understand the word of God, you are never to be fearful, never to speak words of fear, never to entertain fear, but always to speak and ask for God to give you a spirit of, of peace and love, which you already have, and to give you the promise that he has for you. So the word of God in, in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 6, basically said, if you speak a word, my servant will be healed. What happened at the very end? You know, you know the story. The servant was healed. Turn to your neighbor and say, be careful what you say. Now, if you're disciplined to ask for God to do what you want to do, how many of you have some things right now you want God to do for you? Can I see your hands? Now, you're, I, hopefully you're all past the I want a Lincoln Continental stage. Hopefully you're all past God, I got in debt, get rid of this debt for me. Hopefully you're past that. Hopefully if you understand raising a child, you're not going to bail them out all the time. You're going to let them learn through some of the situations and, and things that they go through. But in Ma Mark chapter 11, Verse, uh, verse 12, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Jesus had just cursed the fig tree. He had spoken forth and cursed the fig tree. If God speaks uh, to a fig tree and curses it, guess what's going to happen? That fig tree is cursed, <laughs> and the roots dried up, and the, and the fig tree died. Because whatever God said, that's exactly the way it's going to be. And then when they marveled at that, Jesus said, have faith in God. And then he went on to say, most of you know this scripture if you've been in this church for a while. But then he went on to say, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says, everybody say it, says. says. Whoever, says. whoever, says. nowhere in here does it say, whoever describes this mountain. How many of you love to describe, nobody's going to raise their hand. How many of you love to describe all of your storms, all of your things? Oh my, we had a girl one time, her name was Thelma of all things. Thelma, uh, uh, VBF student, remember? Every time she came, she was in an internship program out in Tulsa. And every time she would commit, oh, my, 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 I got a problem. I got, it, it was like every time I saw her, she had a problem. She always had a problem, and then she always described the problem, and she went on and on. And finally, one day she walked in there. I was kind of the leader of this one group in this area. And she, finally, one day she came in there, and she's all over again, just another problem. I said, Thelma, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for your problem. 
And she looked at me and her mouth dropped open. She said, there's no hope for me. I said, no, there's no hope for you. All you ever do is describe your problems. There's no hope for you. You're never going to make it. I didn't mean that. I was just trying to give her a little joy and shock treatment in her life. And actually, it did both. And she finally decided to change. But it was so hard for her to talk about the victory. All she could talk about was the problem, the storm, the situation, the mountain, all of that. I, I, I believe this is a lot of people's problem. I believe this a lot of people, all they want to do is describe everything going wrong in their life. How about describing everything that God wants to go right in your life? How about saying, I am the head, not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. Even though your mind is all screwed up, even though your thought life is all messed up, but you're going to speak forth as an oracle of God what you are disciplined to ask for. How many of you realize if your mind's screwed up, you want a sound mind? You, you, and the word of God says, I thank you, God. Well, it doesn't say I thank you, God. But in 2 Timothy 1, 7, is that right? Uh, 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 God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. How about instead of describing all the things that are making you fearful, you're describing the word of God. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind. If you say that often enough, you know what you're going to eventually do? It's not a trick question. What are you going to do? You're going to believe it, are you not? You're going to believe it. Now, let's look at the scripture where it says how many times it says, says. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, not the things God says, although you have to believe those. It's the things who says. Let's all say, it's the things I say. In other words, this is the things I say that I believe. This is what I believe, what I just said. I am blessed coming and blessed going. I have abundant life because Jesus gave it to me. I will have the things who says. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have what I say. And that is our law of attraction that we talked about Sunday. So therefore, what we do is so we say, he says, what I say will be done. Let's just say, whatever I say, it's the way it is. Does that sound like God's original plan in the Garden of Eden? Adam, whatever you say, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And that's the way Adam lived his life for a while until he got a wife. No, that's just, that's, that's, that's just a joke. Turn to your neighbor and say, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> whatever he says will be done. He will have, now look at here it comes again. Whatever and here it comes again. He will have again. I'm going to show you the word because it's twice in this sentence. But he believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. says. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. So therefore, we get so positive and we think, wow, I believe this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, it's just like saying, whatever things you ask, Whatever things you, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I know I've talked a lot about this over the past year, but, but uh, last year, just before Father's Day, and some of you haven't been in this church that long, last year, just before Father's Day, uh, I just had a desire to look at cars. And I'm driving a 2001 Buick Park Avenue. I love it, love it. I'd still be driving it today if God hadn't intervened. 
And, and, uh, but I, I just thought, God, I'd like another new car just for the rest of my life. Not that I'm going anywhere, but, but you know, just you get older and how many new cars you're going to buy, and that's what I thought. And I went out and found one and showed it to Pam. And, and you know, it was just a long story. You're going to buy a car? And I said, nope, I'm not going to buy a car. We're never going in debt again. Got out of debt, staying out of debt, been in debt, been out of debt. Believe me, it is better to be out of debt. And, and so you're never going to do that again. But even so, I just had this desire, and I found the car that I really liked, and I thought, you know, that's just it. Showed the grandkids the car. They said, hey, Pop, you buying a new car? And I said, no, I'm not buying a new car. What are you, what are you doing? And I said, just, just looking at what I want, just looking at what I want. I said, well, how are you going to get it? I said, I don't know. If God wants me to have one, I'll have one. How many of you realize that whatever God wants you to have, you can have? Turn to your neighbor and say, what, you can have whatever God wants you to have. He never let me have that Lincoln Continental. I'll tell you why he didn't want to have that Lincoln Continental, because it was full of pride, arrogance, and stupidity. <laughs> and that's a bad combination. And uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you shouldn't have those either. <laughs> but, but anyway, but anyway uh, to try to capitalize this real quickly, I get a call one day from a family. They don't know nothing about what I'm doing. And the family calls up and says, we've been praying. And we believe God wants us to buy you a new car. Do you have a car? Are you looking for a car? Do I have a car? Yes, I do. And, and, and just very shortly, they said, we'll, we'll lease you a car for three years, and then at the end of three years, if you like it, we'll buy it for you. And all of a sudden, I have what I had asked for. Now, I believe God must have wanted me to have that, or I wouldn't have had it. And if, and, and if God wants you to have something, whatever you're asking for, here's what I'm asking you today. What are you asking God for? What are you asking God for? And then when you don't see it, what are you asking God for? Because sometimes we'll back away from something and God is in it and God is going to bless us, but we withdraw from it because we don't see it as quickly as we wanted to. Final scripture I want to give you is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is so powerful. It says that this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, I wasn't hung up on having to have that car one way or the other. I mean, if you'd asked me, do you want a brand new car? Well, yeah. Uh, is it a big deal? Not really. Just nice. You know, I'd like a candy bar if I get one fine. You know, Almond Joy. I know I'm not good for you, but I'd like an Almond Joy. I don't know why that popped into my mind, but I saw an Almond Joy today somewhere, and I almost bought it, and I knew it wasn't good for me. Maybe God really wants me to have it. It's got, a, it's got an almond in there. I love that, I love that almond <laughs> and coconut. But, but anyway, it says, it says there. But this is the confidence I have in him. If he wants me to have a wife, I'm going to have a wife. And if he didn't want me to have one, <laughs> I don't want one. <laughs> uh, if he wants you to have a new car, you know, whatever you ask, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, sometimes I'm not sure, definitely sure, that I'm asking something in, in God's will. Does that make sense? But I know it's a good thing. I know it's not a bad thing. It's not going to glorify the devil. It's not going to glorify me. It's not, but, but I know it's a good thing. And so, therefore, if God wants me to have it, I'm going to have it. And if he doesn't want me to have it, no big deal. I'll go, I'll go on. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything in accordance with his will, that we will have it. That we know that. 
And then that sets us free so that it's in the asking, it's in the speaking, it's in my mouth. It's not describing challenges and situations and circumstances, but it's living in the fullness of the moment with God. Because when Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, glory to God. I just went to the doctor today and he said my knee was okay and that I had, that, that knee was going to last a long time. And every once in a while it locks up on me, but I have a knee that my doctor said is going to last a long time. And Jesus said I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. So therefore, instead of trying to disguise it, I am going to stand up here and lean on this pulpit. But I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Glory to God, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. He told me not to twist my knee, to go in a straight line. Glory to God, too much housework, I can tell it right now. Too many times I've pulled in that laundry. Now, if we live this message, you're never going to entertain a negative thought. Is that right? No, no more negativity, no more things. It's just like... God, this is what I believe I would like to have. This is what I'm going to ask for. It's going to glorify you. Let's stand to our feet. And then we start to walk in that dimension of faith that God has for us. Now, I want to give you a definition for discipline. Discipline is control gain by enforcing obedience or order. A rule or system of rules governing conduct or activity. Look at the last one. Self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit of God that once you got saved, you may have had some discipline in your life before you got saved. You may have even had some areas in your life where you had self-control, but you did not have a spiritual self-control system within you. Spiritual self-control is a fruit of the Spirit of God. And in Galatians 5.23, it is one of the fruits. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, you are bought and paid for by a price. And therefore, God owns you and that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the fruit of the Spirit of self-control is yours. And that whatever you want to release it for, it will work. And if you want to release it for your mind, your thoughts, your actions, your words, it will work for you time and time again if you'll let it. God has given us the abundant life. Let's say, I have the abundant life. And there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a storm and get lost by trying to describe everything that's going wrong. Everything that's going wrong. This family, Valerie's family, one moment she's walking down the road, the next moment she's hit by a car and she dies. They just turned off the life support system yesterday. That's a horrible, tragic situation. You can focus on the tragedies of life or you can focus on, where's Valerie now? Well, she went for a walk she didn't plan for what happened to happen but when she woke up she was with Jesus so therefore there is great comfort in knowing that she's alive and well so the family in a grieving process go through the grieving process don't ever stop in the midst of a grieving process don't ever let something get a hold of you that is contrary to the will of God for your life fear, doubt unbelief, worry frustration, 
feeling bad about mistakes that you've made, God forgives you. God forgets. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Most of you are part of this church, but maybe somebody came in. Maybe, maybe you, you came in late and you haven't been part of this church. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or, or maybe you've been attending this church, but you know that you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or, or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've done what that prodigal son did, just kind of left the Father, moved away. Let tonight be the night that you come home. And If I've described you and you know your life isn't right with the Lord, I want to pray for you. And if that's anyone here, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We'll pray for you. Anyone at all. I see your hand back there. Are there others? Say, pray for me. I know my life isn't right. It's a long walk down here. But whoever had their hand up, I know one of you, and ushers helped me. All the way back there. Would you come down here with me? Yeah. Give him a hand. Give, give her a hand. Yeah, come on down here. Anybody else that lifted your hand? Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Come on. Yeah, keep them. The angels in heaven are rejoicing at this very moment. We're glad you're with us tonight. We really are. Stretch your hands out here. Father, I thank you for this lady. I thank you that tonight is a night of new beginnings. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory for her life to be everything that you've called it to be. Let's pray this prayer together and we're going to pray with you right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned, I've made mistakes. But tonight I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Father, I do thank you for a night of new beginnings for this lady. I thank you that her life will forever be changed, whether she's accepting you for the first time or coming back to you like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter, that every situation and circumstance that she has ever been in, you're going to turn it around and use it to strengthen her in Jesus' name. Sandy, come on down here. I want to, I want to pray for all of you before you leave because when we read that scripture in, in Mark, it really just kind of exploded in my spirit. He will have, whoever says to this mountain be removed, he will have whatever he says. You will have what you say when you're praying what God's will is for your life. How many of you could do a better job of taking your thought life and your spoken words and let them line up with the word of God? Can I see your hands? I shared this with Pam and some other people the other day. I believe most people, I, I love new revelation. I love new revelation. But most people don't need new revelation they need to sit down with what they already have and get a little checkup from the neck up 
as Zig Ziglar would say, and am I living the Word of God the way God wants me to? Am I speaking forth things that He can act upon and move upon? And if you want to change some things in your life, then you have to change some things in your life. Because if you continue to do everything the way you've always done it, nothing will change. Years and months go by, and you're still where you always used to be. So I want to see the hands of all the people that you would say, there are some things in my life I do want to change to line up with not only this message, but the Word of God. Father, you see every hand that is lifted. I pray that in Jesus' name, there will be a desire. There will be a desire to release that self-control, that discipline in our lives to say, I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing and expecting change. That's foolish. I'm going to start doing what I know you're showing me to do. I'm going to live the Word the way Jesus told me to live the Word, and I'm going to become the person that you've called me to be, and that I will not be moved by what I see, but I will see what I believe, because I walk by faith and not by sight. And I thank you, Lord, that whatever I ask and whatever I pray in accordance with your will, I have the petitions. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody say, let's all say it. I have every petition that I ask of God that is in accordance with his will. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.